KG, and this is not safe for networks. Welcome to Montucky Skies. I'm Biggs. And I'm Brandon. How's it going, Brandon? Living the dream. Living the dream. Back to living the Back dream. Back to it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, we got some ground to cover, so we'll just get started. A lot of superhero news this week. So let's start out with uh, Deadpool 2. So you saw the trailer. Yeah, I saw the trailer first thing this morning. Yeah, I saw the trailer. I guess it was today, too. Just funny. There was a time when we would have been right on top of that. But now I'm just like, I make sure well, I'm on it, top it of it before. it debuted this morning. Oh, did it? Yeah. Well, there you go. I saw it this afternoon. <laughs> guess I'm not as far, as far behind the curve as I thought I was. But what'd you think? Uh it was kind of an interesting tone for the trailer because it was really playing into the action more so than the storyline or character development. Yeah, we got more story than we have gotten, I feel like, including the synopsis because I reread the synopsis and it was just like, yeah, there's no way this is actually like <laughs> what this movie is about. But, uh, it's uh it seemed like there was a lot of focus on showing the X Force. Yeah. Yeah. Um which I'm I'm for. I get it. You gotta get people excited about the new thing, but lots of looks at cable, which was pretty cool, I thought. Um lots of looks at just I, I don't know all the members because I never really read X Force. But um there was definitely um uh, Definitely a lot of uh, stuff to be like, hey, here's this new, these new things. But then even the stuff that was callbacks was fucking great. Like, uh, I, I loved when they had, uh, <laughs> I loved that they had just the quick shot of Deadpool hugging Cyclops and like groping his ass <laughs> was great. Uh, Deadpool like wheeling around in Professor X's wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know if you noticed, but he's between two portraits, and on one side there's Lincoln, and on the other side there's like Obama and a fireplace in the middle. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, that's Professor X, I think. <laughs> that that checks out to me, you know. <laughs> Man, I didn't notice any of those details. Yeah, uh I watched the trailer and then I looked at stills from the trailer, and with like stuff like this, it's fun to look at the stills because there's all kinds of little things that just miss your attention you know yeah but uh yeah I, i'm feeling pretty good about it yeah um i was kind of worried for a while there because i i'd been hearing um that they're well they're still in reshoots right now till the end of the month oh really i didn't know that yeah they uh well they about a week or two ago they did a pre-screener for with test audiences and it bombed Mm. I didn't know that. And so they've been doing a bunch of reshoots. They did a test screening oh, earlier this week, I think. And 
it got a 98% on the test, the reshoot test screening. Okay. So it sounds like they fixed a lot of the problems. Yeah. And this is for big movies. This is pretty par for the course too, especially for sequels and things like that. Like yeah. they, they always have reshoots and they do testing to sort of figure out. Yeah. It's just crazy works. that they're doing reshoots like a month and a half before premieres yeah it wouldn't have been so crazy if they stuck to the original date which i think was at the beginning of the summer like i think it was like scheduled for june originally but they pushed it back to like i want to say it was like april that they pushed it's it. may 4th or it's are you sh- it can't be may 4th no, that was gonna be infinity war so that's like a week before. i think it's a week maybe it's a week before infinity war okay, so that'd be april then because infinity war is like april 27th i think so um yeah it just seems pretty late in the game to do reshoots but i guess that's what happens when you're uh when you push back the date like that i just know they they found a, a time that they thought would work well for them so oh they push it back after Infinity War, it's May 18th is their okay. release date. So they must have pushed it from like June or July to May then. Okay. So it was a little bit later than I thought it was, but that makes sense, especially with uh, Infinity War being April 27th. I wonder if that like played into them pushing the date back for Infinity War. Well, I know they were really looking because they didn't want to premiere it the same week as uh, Han Solo or Infinity War. Mm-hmm. So they were trying to find a sweet spot for yeah. it. And you got to figure, I do, do we hear if this deal officially went through on the merger between Disney and Fox? I haven't heard anything. Me neither. That makes me think it hasn't happened yet. So but I they, know there was a lot of legal shit that was supposed to like, and it would take like up to 18 months for that yeah, to be they're, finalized. They're waiting so. for the government to give their fish. Well, you got to figure like Fox's money is their money assuming the merger goes through so they probably don't want to hurt deadpool especially because like we've said it before in the podcast but this is the one franchise that you can just do a reset and still do a deadpool 3 (laughs) because he's so um uh I'm trying to think of, of the term here, but he's so meta that like yeah, and you all can the just, fourth wall sort of that's shit. That's it. Yeah, yeah, fourth wall is what I was looking for. Like you can just be like, wait, why is everything different all of a sudden? <laughs> Did Disney buy us out or something? Like you can literally have that joke in a Deadpool three, and nobody will question it. If anything, if it's done right, they'll just laugh about it. So yeah, and well, in the. Uh the new trailer, they actually made a joke at the end of it about a Deadpool 3. Yeah, yeah. With uh, that scene with T.J. Miller, Miller where yeah. he's just like, he's like, yeah, everything's in two. Like, why would they? I, I thought they'd fuck it up so bad they wouldn't even make a three. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows what they're talking about, but they literally might be talking about a Deadpool movie, <laughs> knowing Deadpool. So who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Um, the other thing came out and it was, a, I think a week or two ago and I, we just haven't got to this point on the podcast. Um, Rob Leefield, the creator of, uh, Deadpool. Yes. The man of many pouches, small feet and big boobs <laughs> and huge muscles <laughs> is working on a, uh, Netflix universe. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, Extreme Universe, I yeah. think it is. Yeah. So, basically, it's a lot of his comics that came out under Image Comics. 
Yeah, and I I know nothing about that no. whatsoever. But I, I was I'll check it out. I was just looking through my uh, saved articles, and that was one of them. That- I just hope it's not like I don't know exactly what the comics are. <laughs> There's one thing I know about Rob Liefeld. It's a lot of the like toxic masculinity that like is very prominent in comics in the '90s. So I mean, it's still yeah. around today, but it was like excessively huge in the 90s uh it was kind of funny i was looking at this uh there's this website called the hard times and i look at their articles sometimes like i like their page on facebook and uh they do a lot of like commentary on music and video games and some of the video game stuff i laugh at but i don't get a lot of the jokes so the music stuff is usually what gets me but they had this one article that was talking about how uh Trump was promoting like Rob Liefeld to be his new secretary <laughs> of that. state. And he was just like, I really like his work with huge muscled people and big boobed women. <laughs> but she's a 10, like all of this. And it's like, yeah, I can see Trump loving that. And then talking about how, like, when he gave the press conference, he was going to make sure that everybody's feet were cut off in the frames. <laughs> so for, for people who don't know the joke, um, and Zach's talked about this, but, like, I mean, probably in the 100s or 200s of the podcast, which you can check out on montagueskies.blogspot.com. Boom! Two weeks Plug. in a row I plugged it, and it was organic. <laughs> but uh, Rob Liefeld has a, a history. Like, people always talk, like, they make fun of, like, Every character he does has tons of belt pouches. They always have like giant muscles. Women are like, like super narrow waisted, giant boobs, giant ass. But like the thing that comic book fans love to make fun of more than anything else is he can't draw feet. He can't draw feet. So he tries to always frame it where there's no feet in the picture but if he has to have feet they just look small and irregular like always <laughs> so he's aware that he can't draw feet and instead of just doubling down on figuring it out he just tries to hide it all the time you know that's a real common thing in artistry or i know uh a, and i know it a lot of uh western artwork painting um you look at like people that paint horses and stuff usually they don't have feet usually they're like hidden in grass or that sort of thing charlie russell is probably one of the few people that could draw mm. horse feet charlie russell who has some pieces prominently placed a couple blocks away from where we're sitting right yeah. now like probably the most famous montana artist right i would think so the most synonymous with montana anyway yeah um but he was one of the few artists that could draw feet. Was Salvador Dali, was he around Montana? I don't, I thought he was like Spanish. Yeah, you would think with the name. I thought I'd heard something about him with Montana roots, but I'm probably, probably off on that. That's why I asked. It, it didn't seem right when I said it. <laughs> but definitely, like Charlie Russell is very synonymous with. With this area, so I mean, if you talk about that, that's probably the first artist that would come to most people's heads, you know. Yeah, I'm sure there's another famous one somewhere, but you know. Uh, anyway, anything else about Deadpool you wanted to get out there? I I noticed that, like Cable's whole mission is to mm. kill a child. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd read somewhere that 
one of the screamings, they go back and like kill baby Hitler. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> Do you think he had the little Hitler mustache when he was a baby? <laughs> yeah, he always had that. Just like dipped his hand in his diaper for a second and had the Hitler mustache. <laughs> Dude, you got some shit on your lip. <laughs> no, for real. You have <laughs> shit on your lip. <laughs> well, that was a very appropriate conversation for Deadpool. Uh, I want to transition over to something that I, I promised we'd talk about this podcast. And I know I've been about 50-50 on that when I say we're going to cover something. About 50% of the time I actually get to it. But this time we get to it. Jessica Jones Season 2. So I just finished it. Brandon got here like... 10 minutes early so he had to sit through the last seven minutes which i don't think was very representative of the last couple of episodes because you just saw it as they were wrapping up shit and it was like not action-packed stuff like all of that already happened in the episode so they're mostly just like closing like emotional arcs and things like that but um so this was a great season and i granted just finished it but i feel like at this point it's neck and neck with the first season, um, which I would put as the best season on Netflix, like Marvel series. Like it was really fucking good. It was like right up there with the first season. And, uh, I think it was better paced than any of the other series. Like it's a slow burn the first three episodes and then it starts to run, but it goes at like, it starts slow and it just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. And then it slowly starts to like slow down a bit. But I think they were aware of a lot of the criticism of like, you know, you kill the, the villain halfway through and then you come up with a new villain and like things that they were doing that where it just almost feels like another season. They avoided that trap in this one. And part of it was the showrunner had two and a half years between seasons so she had God, a has lot it been that long yeah so <laughs> like i was working at touchmark when the first season dropped and i think yeah i worked like there a year before I, I got my job at the at the cafe so but uh she had a lot of time to really think about the story and she actually spent that time thinking about the story to make sure it was a solid season so a lot of shows suffer in the sophomore season but that was not the case with this show um, I liked that Jessica Jones still not a traditional hero. Um, they do that in a lot of ways. She does like this. She definitely covers the sort of um, noir aspect that they, they had in the first season. They kind of go a little farther with this one. And like, you know, your typical noir thriller, your hero is not an anti-hero, but not necessarily a good person. Right. Right. Like, they do sketchy things and, you know, she's still breaking into things and she does, she does one thing that's like kind of shocking when it happens. Um, but it does, it, it's perfect for that character when you really boil it down in the way she handles it, which leads to David Tennant showing up. So he played Kilgrave in the first season. And I'm not going to say exactly what he does in this, but a lot of people, including myself, thought it would just be a flashback thing. And it is not. Like it is something different and I really liked the way that they incorporated it. It was a really good way to um, comment on the first season, but also comment on what was happening in this season. 
was just really brilliantly executed. Uh, the villain, another thing I don't want to spoil, which you didn't see anything of when you watched because <laughs> it was already resolved. But um, there's a really good arc with the villain. And like it was really smart what they did with the villain. And I'll just kind of leave it at that because that's a major spoiler. If you haven't gotten to, I think, the fourth episode. If you get through four episodes, you'll know what the deal with the villain is. And then it just gets really good. Uh, it's played by Janet McTeer, who's been nominated for like two Oscars. Um, I A lot of movies I've never seen. Like I was just looking through <laughs> IMDb and it was like I've only seen one of her movies. And it was Waking the Dead. Just like that uh, Scorsese movie about the um, emergency room driver or the the EMTs. Yeah. And I only vaguely remember it because I saw it when I was in high school. So I don't remember a lot about it. Apparently she was in that. <laughs> but a lot of stuff I'd never seen. And uh, she's really good in this. And it's just, yeah, I, I can't say more without spoiling anything. So I won't. But um, there's a, there's a doctor a uh, dr malice who uh jessica jones is kind of yeah i know because you're like yeah you're, it's not spelled like malice but like you know that's obviously the intention yeah but uh, like it's he he is played so interesting because he's essentially dr frankenstein when you really boil it down like the beats that he hits in this are dr frankenstein's beats but he's like a hippie and, like, it's really interesting the way that they put it because he actually has reasons for doing things that are um, that are good. Like, it's so it's it's not even like he's a full on villain. Like, he's actually not just in his headspace, but like he's actually done good things. So it's like it's really interesting because, like, it would be way easier to paint him as a pariah. But instead, um He's not. He's like he's like an actual breathing person, you know, which I think always makes the best villains when you can see their point of view. Yeah. Uh, Trish, uh, her sister, there's a really interesting arc talking about her uh, addiction and uh, it really like takes over her whole arc in this. And like they show they show her relationship with Jessica when they're younger and then like kind of how that paints where they're at now. And that's really interesting too. Cause once again, she's like, we learn a lot more about her and she's not like the white hat that she was painted as in the first season. So like Jessica Jones makes a lot of decisions that are questionable. Trish does like the villains are like not completely evil, you know? Um, it's just, I like it because it's a lot of actual, characters that feel like characters and i think that's what this sh this season does the best is it just spends a lot of time with nuance you know yeah um <clears throat> let's see what else. They, they set up season three really well i think with one arc that they have in there um another character too talking about the nuance um carrie moss uh carrie moss's character the lawyer so she actually becomes very sympathetic for a number of episodes in this. And uh, that's interesting, too, because she's another character that you could just easily paint with, like, the horrible person brush. And, like, I'm not going to say she's not a horrible person, but, like, she's dealing with very real scary things. And uh, it's 
I don't know. Like it's just it's just really good writing. And it's a little interesting piece of trivia I read <clears throat> going back to Trish for a second. So apparently the Trish character who winds up being a villain in Marvel Comics, uh, I think it's like Hellcat as a character maybe. It's something with cat, but um she was originally going to be Carol Danvers. Because, really? yeah, the whole thing with her having, like, an adopted sister and all that, that wasn't in the comics at all. Like, I read most of the stuff with Jessica Jones, and that's just not there at all. That was just there to to have, you know, more interactions and, and characters and things. So, it was going to be Carol Danvers who's going to be uh, um, Captain Marvel in the movie. So, obviously, they changed that when they realized that would make a better movie. But I'm sure Marvel's really glad. Because we're going to see her in Infinity Wars, and we have seen nothing of her in the trailers yet no yeah they're really saving that so and that's going to be interesting because i was reading with the writers and they were talking to all the directors making sure they were getting the tones of the movies right so they talked to everybody who had done all of the the marvel movies before like what was motivations of the characters like what tones were you seeking to strike and things like that so that they could have that all throughout the infinity war movies but the difference with captain marvel is like this is her first appearance even though they're like working on that the new one so there was no conversations with the the new director so that's going to be interesting because that might change what they're doing for that movie. But uh, let's just jump into the new trailer. Yeah, so I was like, start. this is a good place to yeah. go. I mean, I, was, I, I designed it that way. <laughs> but this is an interesting piece of trivia, I thought. But uh, yeah, what would you think of the, of the third Infinity War trailer? I'm so psyched for that movie. Best trailer of the three, right? Yeah. Like they showed a lot without really showing you anything. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of little things to grab onto and speculate, but there's nothing that tells you exactly what's going to happen. You know what I really liked about that trailer is they're uh, they're really keeping with a lot of the tone for the last couple of movies with, like, Black Panther and uh, Thor Ragnarok, where it does have that kind of lighthearted, but shit is going down. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, fuck. Uh, Chris Pratt was <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> what is who's he talking to? He's talking uh, to Drax, Iron Man. Um, oh god, somebody else. I can't remember who the other one is. Was but it Doctor Strange? It might have been. But he's sitting there talking, and he goes, "Uh, he says, I'm paraphrasing, but he says something like, okay." I like your plan, but I think it's got problems, and I think we should do my plan so that it's better. I think you should make me make up the plan so that it's better. And Tony Stark (laughs) is just like, wow. (laughs) Because that is so... That's hilarious because Tony Stark is such a planner. Yeah. The thing with Tony is like his plans are always flawed. Right? Like he makes plans, but they never work out. Like he is another... Like Dr. Frankenstein in a way. Like he has these like good intentions with his plans, but he doesn't always think them out. Like to date, I think every enemy that they fought has been like Tony's fault in some way. Right? Like, yeah, kind of. The first Iron Man, like Jeff Bridges, like uses his arc reactor, like uh, technology that he creates. 
Whiplash. So, like, yeah, Whiplash is based off of his old technology. Ultron. Ultron was totally like Tony. Uh, Iron Man 3 was like because he snubbed the guy from AIM in the elevator. Yep. So- <laughs> yeah, he's definitely his own worst enemy. He really is. And even, even <laughs> Avengers, he knows... I think, like, well, maybe Avengers isn't his fault. That's probably the only time we've seen Tony Stark where it's not his fault in any way. But Civil War is partly his fault because he plays ball, like, ball with, uh, with Ross and then it leads to the whole Civil War thing. So, you know, he could have stayed united with the Avengers and, like, they could have passed whatever initiative they wanted, but it doesn't necessarily mean they would have done anything. <laughs> Ain't no military gonna bring the Avengers down. <laughs> So, <laughs> found that interesting. Uh, you were talking about Black Panther just a second ago. So, I wanted to to share this because I'm trying to make sense of this. But um, Fandango had an advanced ticket sales that dropped after the uh, trailer. And so, they had a little survey that went with it. And 97% can't wait to see how dozens of superheroes work together in the same film. are excited to see different franchise characters, Guardians, Avengers, etc. meeting one another for the first time. 92% see Infinity War as the culmination of all the MCU films before it. Okay, so this is all, this makes sense. This is all what what Marvel's trying to do, trying to get across to to people. So that makes sense. Here's what befuddles me. Here's where it goes off the rails. Okay, 87% have seen all the MCU movies, okay? So just keep that in mind. 87% have seen all the MCU movies. 71% saw Black Panther on the big screen. Wait a second. Yeah. How does that (laughs) work? Like, I'm guessing that not everybody answered every question. That's the only way that can work. Yeah. And that's such a huge gap. That's weird. 16%. The 16% that say they've seen like all marvel movies but then like that 16 percent drop off had seen like there's 16 percent that haven't seen black panther but saw all mcu movies what does that mean i don't understand i don't get that either i mean i could see like if it was like seeing all the movies on the big screen maybe but like yeah i don't yeah it doesn't say that though it just says have seen all the mcu movies Weird. Because I know there's definitely people that have seen all the movies, but not on the big screen. Mm -hmm. Because I know I was talking with uh, Brent last night, and he just saw, like, Thor Ragnarok the other day. Yeah. Is that out on... uh... It just came out two weeks ago on Blu-ray. I'm going to have to watch that again soon. I didn't get (sighs) to go to that a second time, but I really wanted to. I just didn't have the money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we we uh rented it on the red box and god damn it's so fucking good. <laughs> it really is so funny too. So dramatic, but going back to Black Panther, five straight weeks at number one. Yeah. Like it it crossed a billion like I think two weeks ago. Like one of this it's the most successful uh standalone MCU movie, period. And like it, it has enough legs where it very well might be the most successful MCU movie, like of all time. 
Now, how long will it hold that? I don't know. I think Avengers Infinity War is going to. It's already like with pre-sales is going to eclipse it. Wow. I mean, Infinity Wars (laughs) sales is going through the fucking roof. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's already on day one. It became the most sold uh, pre-sale ever. Like it passed Force Awakens is the most pre-sold movie. So that's a pretty good start. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty fucking good start and Wakanda's definitely in it it seems like it's going to be the last stand like I've heard people who work like I've heard the Russo brothers talk about it uh, the directors saying that um, like uh, Wakanda is like basically going to be a refugee f- like camp for everybody who's like destroyed by Thanos or whatever and it sounds like it's going to be like the last stand in the movie is going to be in Wakanda. I mean, we don't know that for sure, but it seems like it's shaping up that way. So that's going to be interesting. But uh, yeah, and they they definitely, they have that scene that they show, I think in all the trailers where they show like all the, all those Wakanda warriors with like Black Panther and all those, you know, all, all the people that work with them, like marching with like Captain America and Bucky and, uh, black widow so it's gonna be interesting (laughs) but um uh, some people have noticed like ant-man and hawkeye haven't been in any of the marketing other than like a poster and uh well he was in the new infinity war trailer was he man was where was he at Uh, is he really small (laughs) yeah he was inside of something they were throwing it or something at it okay but like Hawkeye has been a nothing. No, never for mind. Sure. Never mind. Okay. I getting it mixed up with Civil War. No, even worse. Uh, DC Legend of Tomorrow. <laughs> Thinking of uh, the Atom. Yeah. Hold that thought. We'll go back to DC in a, in a little bit. But um, yeah. So apparently Hawkeye and Ant Man have solo missions in this movie. Like Wasp was not in this. She's one of the few superheroes that's not in it. But that's because the origin is going to be in in uh, Ant Man and the Wasp, which they're saying is going to have equal screen time and equal like character between the two. It's not like Ant Man and then the Wasp is on on the side like she was in the first one. Like she is an equal partner in this movie. So. That's cool. Like, I'm glad that they're going to give her plenty of time because that was that was the moment people were the most psyched for in that movie was when they showed the suit, you know? Yeah. And a fun movie. But I mean, that was the scene where everybody's like, oh, Oh? (laughs) but um, yeah. uh, So anyway, they have solo missions, which is why like they just haven't shown them in the trailers, because apparently the Russo brothers were talking with marketing people and they thought the best way to market it was to show different lineups of people. And I think they're working solo. So that doesn't get that across in the trailer. You know, the appeal of this is like, look at all these heroes mishmash together, you know, and uh, it's interesting hearing the Russo brothers talking about it because they're like. You know, we try and keep the tone, like the Guardians, we keep their tone, but then you bring in Tony Stark and he doesn't quite fit that tone. So it's really fun to like watch how they interact because like their tones are different. 
And I was like, that's a really smart way of covering it. Cause this is like, this is not ground that's really been tread before. Like we've seen it on lower scale with like, it's crazy to say civil war, but like that's lower scale compared to this, right? Like there's twice as many heroes at <sighs> least as there was in civil war. I mean, I think I read 70 characters in this movie. Yeah, I know when they were filming, they had, because I saw still like a picture online of where they were filming and they had 53 different actor trailers. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) I wonder how many of them are full trailers. (laughs) Who knows? I think we talked about that on a couple of We have talked about it. Okay. Listen, MontuckySkies.blogspot.com. Got all the <laughs> last episodes. So it's in one of them. I know yeah. I talked about the Just half trailer, like the quarter trailer, the eighth trailer, the 16th trailer. Like that's a real thing. Like your prestige as an actor depends on how big your trailer is. So, yeah. Yeah. And then Will Smith has this giant fucking RV that just pumps out tons of diesel. Like people complain everywhere he goes. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move to DC. So, did you see the video of uh, Henry Cavill shaving off his mustache, or had shaved off his mustache? They don't actually show him shaving off his mustache, but it was something that was trending for a couple of days. And I was like, why is this such a big deal? And then I saw the video he posted on Twitter, and it's fucking hilarious dude so he's talking about in his english accent about how he shaved king's stash and how he hardly (laughs) recognizes himself anymore and he's like it's hard to believe it's not cgi some days (laughs) looking at it in the mirror and then they start playing i will remember you by like sarah mclaughlin and they're showing all these clips of when he had his mustache like it starts out in like the movie that he's doing but then it like cuts to just all of this stuff like at wedding and like eating food with like food stuck to it and all that <laughs> it's like he did all this stuff and then at the end it shows a little black screen with like kind of in memoriam like italics writing uh, italics like writing that said shaved but not forgotten <laughs> <laughs> but uh that actually led me to the whole cgi mustache thing uh that led me to Realizing that Justice League finished its box office run this week, uh, it was at the bottom of all DCEU movies, which is crazy, dude. Wow. Really? Yeah, for how many superheroes they were in. It was less than Man of Steel, which was the previous bottom, which was $120 million less than Man of Steel. So $120 million dollars came in more for just Superman than it did for Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, Aquaman, that's, Cyborg. Cyborg. That's insane, dude. And they they really tried. Man. <laughs> Man, it was a mantra. better movie. Yeah. I mean, it was the weakest of the superhero movies that came out that year, but they really tried hard. <laughs> they really tried hard. Like, that's that's... One of the ones I would say, like, go ahead and see it. Like, it's not the best, but it's not terrible. Like, it had good moments in it, you know? Yeah. I thought all the stuff with The Flash was gold, for sure, in that movie. 
Yeah, I thought they did a really good job with some of the lesser characters. Like, at least finally really introducing them more than anything. Yeah. I think all of the the talk about, like, the directors, you know, like, switching between directors, I think that really hurt them in the end. I, I just think people were like, oh, this is a shit show. And it had been burned by Batman, Superman. Yeah. Which was her highest grossing movie, by the way. But, um, like, but that was like, when you look at that one, that got shot out of a fucking cannon the first week and then did a lot the second week, but is a huge drop off and then did very little the rest of the time. So, you know, the <laughs> people felt burned by that one. And the, the, Fucking reviews certainly felt burned by that one. So yeah. That was the one that they uh, took pitchforks to. <laughs> anyway, um, so we've been talking a lot of shit about Krypton, <laughs> which premiered this week on Sci-Fi. And I said I'd at least watch the pilot to talk about it. So I watched the pilot for Krypton today. Um, you know, it's all right. It's... uh. I, I'm going to watch a couple more episodes and see where it goes. But uh, so for for those not in the know, this takes place it, around when Superman's grandpa is tooling around Krypton. And uh, so made by the makers of Gotham, who Ugh. have like successfully made a Gotham city without Batman or having baby Batman anyway, but all of his villains. <laughs> Uh, this is smarter with how they do that. So one thing that makes it better is the stakes that are involved in this. And the stakes are Adam Savage, who's a character. You can just look him up on the net. I'm not going to break him down, but, um, he travels through time and space to go to Krypton and let Superman's grandpa know who's in so he's he's a guy in his 20s, basically. Everybody speaks with an English accent. It's like Game of Thrones with the sci-fi alien edge. <laughs> it really is, dude. I'm not even kidding. But except for all the, the uh rape and all the incest. <laughs> but um and it has the look. It's not totally there, like not like as big budget as Man of Steel, but it's definitely the Krypton that's in Man of Steel. Like a lot of the same kind of designs, uh, production design, but um, he goes Adam Sav or Adam Strange goes back to tell Superman's grandpa, who's in House L, which is disgraced, so they don't have the Superman symbol right then, that he is going to have a he's supposed to have a grandson who's like the greatest hero that ever lived, but somebody's messing with the timeline. And as it stands right now, he's not even going to be born. And so he's like trying to get him on board so that they can fix the timeline. So there's actual stakes like, no, there's not Superman, but Superman is in jeopardy, which is something that's smarter than Gotham did. Because Gotham is just like, hey, I know you like Batman. We got baby Batman over here. Like it was kind of a Phantom Menace thing, you know? Yeah. This is actually like. Yeah, you better fucking figure this shit out or, like, Superman's not going to be around, <laughs> you know? You're not going to have Super Jesus. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, 
It looks like Brainiac is the big villain, although they've only shown a glimpse of him, and that's all we get. We don't know exactly what's happening yet, but like it seems like Brainiac's behind this, which is a villain that makes sense for that. He's been around for a long time. It takes place in Kandor, which <clears throat> this is one of those things, if you're a big Superman fan, you know Kandor. Does that sound familiar yeah. to you at all? So Kandor is like the lost city of Kandor, um, it just disappeared off of Krypton and it turns out it's in a bottle that was kept like it was shrunk and kept in a bottle by Brainiac. And so you have that looming too, that, you know, like Kandor, according to the comics anyway, is just going to fucking disappear and be captured by Brainiac because he captures civilizations. And that's for whatever reason, his deal. He keeps like basically a giant zoo of everything. And so, like, he destroys civilization so that he has the last remnants of them. So, that's interesting. There's a lot of, like, characters that when you hear them, you're like, oh, like, there's some Zods running around. You know, because, like, how Zod is a thing. Um, it's it's interesting. Like, it's not the best pilot, but it definitely sets up what the show is and where they're going. And so, it's, Gotham was also a really good pilot. Like yeah. probably a better pilot than this one, but this one, like I, I hear it and like kind of watch it and I'm like, okay, this can be sustained as a show. Will it live up to that promise? I don't know. They haven't earned me like watching a whole season yet, but they, they've earned me at least watching two or three more episodes to see where it's going. So I'm not going to shit on it just yet, but I will keep you tuned in. Whether you keep up with it or not, I'll kind of let you know in a couple episodes how it's going, if it's if it's worthwhile. Um, that's all the reviews I have. Yeah. <laughs> so you can breathe a sigh of relief. Now, going back to the the uh, WB shows. So, um, they, so it was announced that Matt Ryan, who plays Constantine, will be joining the Legends of Tomorrow in season four if it's picked up, which all signs are saying it will be picked up because it's got I would see it not. I could I mean I can't see it not being picked up. Yeah. It, apparently it's got its best ratings it's ever been. It's doing well. Yeah. So it will probably And it's been a pretty good like I know I'm quite a few episodes back right now, but it's been a pretty good run so far. I think I'm an episode back on Legends of Tomorrow right now. But so you're actually ahead of me. Yeah, I I am an episode behind on Flash and that and Supergirl if it premiered this week, but I don't think it did. Um, it's been off for a little while. Uh, Black Lightning, I'm a couple episodes back because my daughter was really into it and then fell out of love with it. So I'm just like, okay, so I just have to sit down and actually watch them. So I'm a cup. I'm like two or three back on Black Lightning, but I've been keeping up pretty well with them. So it's just I've been working extra. So yeah. <laughs> couldn't quite get. And Je- honestly, the time I was spending watching the CW shows, I was watching Jessica Jones the last two weeks. So um, priorities. <laughs> Flash has been really good. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I missed the last episode, but I've been enjoying what I've been seeing of it. Yeah, I got two. Uh- the episode where, uh, what was it? <sighs> Who's the big villain this season? Oh, um, the guy with the brain helmet who keeps switching bodies. Yeah. Yeah. That guy. <laughs> I keep remember. wanting to say Davos, but no, that's the- DeVos. That's his last name. DeVos. No. Yeah. 
No, that's the Secretary of Oh, you're right. <laughs> Can it be both? <laughs> um, Which season are we in? Four? Four. Okay, keep talking. And I just watched the episode where, like, he, like, takes all, like, the people in Iron Heights have been all the, uh, not mutants, but uh, metas. Metahumans are locked up in Iron Heights and, like, steals all their powers. God, it's been so fucking good. Okay, so the villain is the thinker. Although I don't think they've ever called him the thinker no. in this show, but that is who he is. Cliff DeVoe. DeVoe. Yeah. They always call him DeVoe in it. Why hasn't Cisco named him yet? <laughs> <laughs> or did he just name him and we forgot and they didn't run with it? I haven't really, I don't think they've, Cisco's been really off on his name game this yeah. season. Because <laughs> we haven't even got Plastic Man. No, he's not Plastic Man. He's Elongated Man. I, well, yeah. And, and Cisco did did drop it, but they only said it once. And then <sighs> the only other allusion to it was they had that one episode called The Elongated Night Returns. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Who's uh. also been an interesting character. Although I didn't like that they walked his hero arc backwards. Like, he was actually becoming a hero, and then they walked it backwards to, like, he's not very, like, he's suddenly cowardly again. I think when you start marching it forward, you got to keep marching it forward, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> I Yeah, I, I've been enjoying the DCU sh- shows this year, for sure. It's the first year I've been, like, pretty current on all of them, so. With the exception of Arrow. The except, well, yeah, fuck that show, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I've seen up to Crisis on Arrow, and that's it. That was enough. I'm like, ah, oh, like it is like slow, so low on my like DC. There's talk that they're gonna end it this season. God, I hope so. Like, and I think like planned ending. I think they just realize well, it's playing out, and so I think what I heard was like. The rumblings are they're going to end the show, but they're going to like occasionally reintroduce members in other shows. They could drop those characters into other shows and it would be fine. The problem is they really ran out of material like at least two seasons ago. And the way they set (laughs) up and it, it has to do with how they set that show up because the way they do it, um, in the first season, they started the flash the flashbacks in the show like five years back, and so like every season they kind of uh, the flashbacks progress along with the season, the current season. So the way that those flashbacks work, they're up to a point now where the flashbacks have caught up to real time. <laughs> Like where the show started. Yeah, so you just can't do them anymore. So, and I mean, they're such a an integral part of the way that show is. Because the lessons he learns in the flashback have relevance to what's happening in the show currently. So, without the flashbacks, it really, like, where do you go? 
Uh, can I go off on a rant here that's not superhero related, but it is related to that? Uh, Dexter, that was partly like, it's not because of this, but this is where Dexter started to go awry was they started out showing flashbacks of when he was a kid and like his relationship to his, uh, adopted dad, Harry. Yes. Harry. But then they ran out of stuff to do when he was a kid because they had already kind of explored that there was nowhere else to really go with that. So then they started having him as ghost dad where you just talk to like work out his problems. And I don't think that ever really worked. No. It's just like they didn't want to get rid of the actor because he was so good. And, and he's been really good in Black, and Black Lightning. Lightning. Yeah, yeah. He really works for that show. But um, yeah, it just it, that was when the show started the foundation started to crumble. Yeah. It really went awry when they killed Rita. Like, and I'm sorry if I'm spoiling this for somebody who's going to do a run, but I will tell you when Rita dies, just stop watching. It's perfect ending for the show (laughs) because it only gets worse from there. (laughs) And boy, does it get worse from there. Yeah. And until you get to like the worst finale, you know, since like finales meant something, it, it became the worst finale. Ugh, I don't know if anything's going to beat it that I watch, but for like a show that was so promising the first two seasons and then had such a great fourth season and Jimmy Smith's in the third season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Third season was a little wonky, but it had some good stuff. It was better than anything that came after the fourth for sure. I think they're rebooting that show too. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I know not against that as long as they get a, a different showrunner. <laughs> Uh, you you really need to like when it comes out on video watch uh game night because Dexter makes an appearance basically. Yeah, you were telling me that. Like it's basically Dexter, but not Dexter. Okay, and it's fucking hilarious. Like it's it's the Dexter you wanted to see. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, honestly, what I really wanted to see in the show. Was him become a good person, you know, like a drop it because, and the only reason I say that is because like that is where they were heading. You know, this they did is what a drives really me crazy job, about the show. Like, yeah, they did a really good job of like morally pushing that character forward. Like him actually, like I know he's got the sociopathic thing going on, but at least like recognizing that like what he does has repercussions and like, yeah, that fourth season was a major repercussion too. And finding like ways to like, even like work past some of that uh, sociopathic stuff and like just, you know, inching forward as a, Mm -hmm. a good person. And that was the one good thing they were doing after the fourth season was they were slowly like making him realize that it was bad to kill people. Like he was actually realizing that and realizing the consequence for his actions and like having the kid and, and like actually like loving the kid and like everything was building towards him becoming at least like not being a serial killer anymore. And that's the way this show should have ended for where they was pushing it, which is what made the finale so bad because like, they just like dropped all of that and was like, okay, you're going to drop your kid off with like this fucking other serial killer <sighs> who, you know, you can't trust. And, uh, and then like, 
you know, like walking into an interrogation room and killing somebody in the middle of an interrogation room and then walking out and then going through a hurricane and carrying your dead sister and then becoming a logger. Like, it was just like, what the fuck, dude? You know, and it, you know, they could have went two ways and I would have been fine with that. If they would have kept walking him forward as a good human being. Not through a hurricane. Or (laughs) becoming evil. Like, more evil. Like, either way of those, like, would have been a good progression. But then just, like, him fucking becoming a logger in Oregon. Like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. It it didn't, yeah. It didn't make (laughs) sense at all. It was almost comical how bad it was. If it wasn't for the fact that I had invested so much time in watching that show. I know. I got forced by my by my wife, my lovely wife, who was very into the show. But I I hit a point in season five where I was just like, I don't know about this. And then season six, I was like, I don't want to watch this anymore. And then I just kept watching it with her. Like we hit that with Walking Dead, and I was like, Nope, I'm walking away from the dead. <laughs> like I'm done with this show. I think the last one I saw like that was uh, Bates Motel. Of course, we both kind of were like, I can't watch this shit anymore. Yeah, I was in on the first season. The first season was pretty good. And then it bothered, but there was things about the first season that bothered me that started to really rear their ugly head in the second season. Like, Zach hit it on the nail. Like, and he didn't even ever watch the show that I'm aware of, but he hit it on the head. He said, there's nothing worse than when, like, you have this monster like Norman Bates and he's not the biggest threat in the town. And I was like, yeah, you're right. You're exactly right. Norman Bates should be the fucking He seemed like the monster. fucking center, like, part of what was going around in, in his world. But he wasn't. He was off to the side on everything. Yeah, like he there was, was a sex trade that he had nothing to do with. Like, there was like somebody who raped pot. his mom that had nothing to do with him. Like there was so much stuff, and it was just like he's not even mm. the worst person in this town. How do you have Norman Bates and not have him be the worst person in the town? He was he was the third worst person in his family. <laughs> <laughs> his brother was fucking way worse than he was. I guess I didn't get that far. <laughs> yeah, well they. I think they brought him in the first season because he yeah, was like... No, I mean, I didn't get to the point of where he was worse than his brother, but I believe you. Like, that's the well, trajectory I, that I show was, was going on. Well, he was like... I was out. His brother was definitely killing people, like, basically like a hitman for, like, the pot mob. I didn't get that far. Oh, God, yeah. it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. Like, and his mother is just a fucking psychopath. Did that make sense, though? I, I am okay with making the mother. You know the the mother really bad. The mother was fine because that yeah, really Vera Farmiga did should, a good job. Should have been like the impetus on what made him so bad. The impetus of his Oedipus complex. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna like throw that. those ten dollar words around. <laughs> it rhymed. I had to, and it made sense. <laughs> I mean, Norman Bates, if nothing else, has an Oedipus complex, right? I keep wanting to pronounce the O, but it's Oedipus. Uh, Let's move on. So Simon Pegg was talking about the new Star Trek movie that they're developing. Is this the Tarantino joint? Yes. 
he said that Star Trek being rated R is just a rumor. He said it, it's not for sure that it's not going to happen, but he said he has heard nothing whatsoever from anybody involved with the movie that it's going to be an R-rated movie. Uh, he thinks it's just a rumor that was started in the internet. And uh, apparently Mark L. Smith, who wrote The Revenant and a bunch of other things. So, okay, well, let me let me go back a little bit. So Quentin Tarantino had, like, mentioned this idea to Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright before they were ever involved in Star Trek. Like, what he would do with the Star Trek movie. And, like, I assume that it was the same idea that he said on Howard Stern. Because, like, Howard Stern asked him if he would ever be interested in doing a Star Wars or Star Trek movie. And Quentin Tarantino said, I'm not really a Star Wars guy, but I would love to do Star Trek. And he said, I would like to expand out either the a City on the Edge of Tomorrow or um, I can't remember the other one, but the other one sounds like uh, Yesterday's Enterprise. And they're both time travel episodes. And he said, like, it would, there was great ideas in both of those that could be expanded into a full um, movie that would like, really examine the fallout from the decisions made in a time travel plot. And so he was really interested in doing that. So I've got to assume that that's what's happening. But um, anyway, so Simon Pegg said that he had like expressed that idea to him and Edgar Wright before they're ever on Star Trek. And he assumes that he had like passed on that idea to JJ Abrams when he pitched it and JJ Abrams liked the idea. So they have Mark L. Smith is writing this script and uh, Quentin Tarantino is going off now to do that Marilyn Manson movie. And so when he's done with the Marilyn Manson movie about that time, they're going to either greenlight the script or not. And if Marilyn they, Manson or Charles Manson? Uh, Charles Manson. I'm sorry. I thought I just said Manson. Did I say Marilyn? You said Marilyn Manson. Sorry, the Charles Manson movie. So, um, shit, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's okay. It's worth saying, like Quentin Tarantino not doing a Marilyn Manson idea. Oh, uh, so when he finishes that Charles Manson movie, he's going to come back and they will either greenlight the script or not. If they greenlight the script, then Quentin Tarantino will direct the new Star Trek movie. So that's interesting to me because Simon Pegg, I believe, is a producer on this new movie. He was on the last movie. So I think he understands. He's not the top guy by any means, but I think he knows what the fuck is going on with yeah, Star Trek. Yeah, you know, and him being in all three of the reboot movies. He also wrote and produced the last one. So, like, he's got a producer credit, I'm pretty sure, on this one. So so I would take his word on this one. Yeah, so I have a feeling it's not going to be R-rated. But I'm, I'm fine either way as long as, like, I don't know. Like, I trust Tarantino with this. I think Tarantino's really good at genre movies. And Star Trek is... Cl- the fact that he named out two episodes of Star Trek from the original series and, like, the next generation and just named the episodes. Most people can't name an episode of Star Trek. <laughs> like, most people who are fans can't name an episode of Star Trek other than maybe The Trouble with Tribbles. <laughs> you take that off the board, there's not a lot of episodes people know the name of. Um, it just gets, you know, cloudy because there's so many super nerds out there who can name off every episode. But, uh, yeah, I 
I, I trust Quentin Tarantino in this. So either way that it goes, I'm fine. Kind of sort of hope it's not R-rated, though. I would like to take my daughter. I'm really trying to foster the Star Trek thing very slowly, not force it. I'm afraid if I force it, I'll turn her away. Yeah. But she went to Star Trek Beyond with me and enjoyed it. So I think the uh, Star Trek Beyond is the first one I got my oldest daughter to go to. Um, I think she had seen uh, the first reboot. Mm-hmm. And I think that's about all she's seen. My youngest daughter, she is has seen all of them. Yeah, I uh, I took all the kids to what was the second reboot? Um, oh, Into Darkness. Yeah, I took them all to Into Darkness, and I think everybody enjoyed it, but I think they immediately forgot it after we saw it. And then uh, I just took my daughter to Star Trek Beyond because River and my wife wanted to go see something else. I don't even remember what it was. So me and Seren went to Star Trek Beyond by ourselves and had a great time. So Yeah, it was because uh, we were in Spokane and they had an IMAX theater there. So we went and saw Star Trek in IMAX. And I know all my kids have seen Wrath of Khan. I don't think fully appreciated it. They have seen Star Trek First Contact, and that has held their um, interest, which is interesting in itself because, like, when I watched it the last time, it was the first time I watched it, and I was like, holy shit, this is dated. <laughs> like, I remember the special effects being so good, but when you see those Borg, dude, like, especially yeah. when they're when they're on the charging stations it's, and it's just, just such like a, a little lightning thing yeah, above their head such a hokey effect <laughs> it's so hokey and i was just well, like well when you can oh. like go to spencers in the mall and they got the fucking same thing you could yes <laughs> <laughs> it's the only difference between the little ball that you put your hand on and it goes and shows a little well, I've, static I've electricity i've seen like that it's like a hexa hexagon like yeah it's board. just it just has the the flat side and they build stuff around it so it looks like it's just you know straight with everything else but um it's a pretty hokey effect now yeah. it, it worked in 97 or whenever it came out but a little hokey now um anyway so we have one more thing so you were mentioning so uh, before that i yes. did want to uh the one thing I've been watching on Netflix is the uh, third season of Love. Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, I think, two episodes in because I watch it with my wife, so we watch it when we get a chance. Yeah. So I think we've seen the first two. What, what do you, How far in are you? I think we've got three or four episodes left. Oh, wow. So you've just been shooting through it. What yeah. do you think so far? It's fucking garbage. Really? Not digging it? I... The first one wasn't, the first one or two episodes weren't bad, but God has gone downhill. Okay. Well, I know it's planned to end in the third season, so. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it will redeem itself at the you end. You know, it's, it's really, the first two seasons I really enjoyed because they did a really good job of like not being a really stereotypical romance yeah. sort of thing. I mean, they bring a really good job of like bringing a lot of realism to it. 
Something I noticed in the first two seasons that I think a lot of people didn't notice. I think people focused on her problems so much because they were so extreme that like they didn't catch his problems. And I feel like he has like deep seated anger. And yeah, and I feel like I don't know, but I feel like with what I saw in the second episode that that might be the bent of this season. Is that accurate? Yes. So that makes sense to me. Like you spend the second season really focusing on like her issues. And God, he is so fucking aggravating this season. Like, and he's always been like, I really have a tough time beginning getting behind his character because he's really just grating to me. So having not seen the season, I just got to say that like, if, if that is the bent of the season, I'm all about it because the one thing that did concern me was that they spent so much time focusing on her. I was like, come on, dude, you've shown some flaws on the other guy. Like you've hinted at things like you got to pay that off too, to show yeah, like and relationships they're definitely doing that, both but ways. It, it's really hard for me because I never really cared much for his character. Okay. As much. Um, I mean, there's a lot of times he really fucking grades on me. Yeah. There's times he grates on me too, but I can actually identify with him. <laughs> yeah. Just because like he's a creative person and very frustrated because nobody but, wants to hear his shit. You know, and he really uh and they did a really good job with like his character development, but this season it kind of threw a lot of those character items that he brings along they like fucking throw out the window okay like the stuff where he goes out like once a week and like makes up songs to movies yeah yeah that was his big thing always gathering around with his friends and they come up with title songs of movies that don't (laughs) don't have have title songs yeah and i thought that kind of stuff was really like endearing it was Good to see that stuff of that character. And they fucking threw that out the window this season. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just him being just, like, his worst self. <laughs> Dude, I gotta tell you, I laughed so fucking hard in that episode where, uh... So, they, they wind up... I think it's in the, the first episode of the third season. And, uh, they wind up, uh her roommate's boyfriend who's just a complete fuck up idiot and uh <laughs> they wind up going to his friend's house or no it was his cousin cousin's or... house or something yeah yeah and like he's promising basically a mansion and it turns out it's not at all it's just this shitty thing and it's like what 20 miles away from uh palm springs palm springs where they were wanting to go to get away from that couple anyway and, and it's then, just like, like this really shitty house with like fucking air conditioning that doesn't work. Yeah, and, and like he was talking about the pool, like, but it's got like all this mold and, or not mold, but algae and, and shit floating in it. It's just but fucking so nasty. What really made me fucking laugh, it was like two things. One was like he had a Bluetooth speaker and like <laughs> And so, and so he's like, they're both involved in Bluetooth speakers. So the first is like, they're playing it and like, it's kind of loud. And I think, I don't remember what they're listening to. It might be like 
Wonderwall or something. I don't even remember yeah, what it was. It's something like that. Some 90s song. And like this redneck neighbor comes over and just starts screaming at him that it's too loud. And he like turns it down. The guy's like, it's still too loud. And he's like, it's it too. <laughs> make it a one. Yeah, make it a one. <laughs> it goes stopping off. And then like, so they're on this bed and it's just filthy. And he's like, so uh, you want to have sex? And she's like, I can't on these sheets. I can't I, just, the I idea just of can't. getting naked is just, yeah, horrifying. Ugh. He's like, nah, I get it. I gotta go to the bathroom for this. So he goes to the bathroom <laughs> and he sets up his phone and like starts playing some porn and uh, it's still hooked up to the Bluetooth <laughs> speaker. So it's just like blaring out and everybody can hear it. And then like everybody knows that he was watching porn. <laughs> 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 he has no idea. And he, like, comes back to bed after they're all, like, around it. And they realize he's listening to it. And then they're commenting, like, like the guy's like, oh, he's speeding up. He must be towards the end. <laughs> and then, like, he, like, rushes back to the bedroom. And she, like, jumps into the bed and stuff before he walks in. And he's just like, did you hear that? It sounded like, I don't know, maybe cats fighting outside or anything. Because he realized the speaker was playing. And he was trying to gauge whether anybody heard it. And yeah, everybody like, fucking heard it. He's, like, trying to, like, he's holding up the phone to his ear. Because there's, like, no sound going through his phone. <laughs> So he's turning it up louder and louder. <laughs> yeah, that was probably the high point of the season. <laughs> that was pretty fucking good. Um, well, you should finish it if you can, and I will work towards finishing it. Maybe in a couple of weeks we'll talk about it and give our final thoughts, since it will be the end of the series, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so you were talking about a PBS documentary to me. There's a PBS documentary coming out. I believe it's tomorrow, which would be Friday, the 24th of March on PBS. It's about uh, Dr. Dr. Gonzo. Dr. Gonzo. Who is in real life nicknamed the White Buffalo, which I believe was Oscar. The Brown Buffalo. Oh, Brown Buffalo. You're right. Yeah. He was a, a... he was a lawyer. Oscar Zeta Acosta. Yeah. And he was a lawyer in Los Angeles who actually one of the really controversial things about him was he was all for um, California breaking off and rejoining Mexico. Like he he looked at California and New Mexico and like all those states from that the Mexican-American war as being occupied by the U.S. And so... Because of all the racist shit that they had to deal with, especially during civil rights, during the brown power movement, uh, there was a, a underground movement to try and secede from the United States. And he was right at the forefront of that. And he was protecting a lot of Latino and Latinas who were being um, basically fucked over for no good reason. Yeah. Um, the documentary, from what I've read... Um, really talks about a lot of his, uh, he defended a lot of black and Latino, uh, defendants in Oakland, California. This was before, um, his drug trips with Hunter. Yes. <laughs> Which an interesting thing was, uh, Hunter S. Thompson, he named himself, uh, Raul Duke and named, uh, Oscar 
Dr. Gonzo in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas because they had committed so many crimes. He didn't want to be held accountable for, for writing about it and, you know, having that used against him in court. But Oscar was going around bragging that he was Dr. Gonzo to well, anybody who would listen. And he wound up getting disbarred. Not at first. Because what had happened was, because Dr. I just uh, know uh, Hunter's side on this. Hunter so. had, uh, Wrote Dr. Gonzo in Fear and Loathing Las Vegas um, and a couple other stories. Well, Hunter wrote him as a, the Samoan. Right. And he, Another thing to protect his identity. Uh, uh, Acosta actually sued him, sued Hunter over the use of his, of his uh, character mm-hmm. in his books because – he was not portrayed as a Latino and um, he actually ended up dropping the lawsuit. And this is part of what's in the documentary. Um, and basically, cause I think he really portrayed him. And the other thing it after like two years after uh, fear and loathing came, cause that was what 72. Yeah. Well, that's that's when it takes place anyway. Yeah. Well, uh, Acosta actually, like, disappeared from the yep. world in 74. He got on a plane and then Mexico just and disappeared and nobody knows what happened to him. Or yeah. At least nobody that's talking. Uh, yeah. And Hunter said that was something he talked to Terry Gilliam about when they made the movie was, like, his last scene should be getting on an airplane because like that's how he disappeared, so it was like an an homage to him in the movie. Like you see him get on the airplane and sort of all drugged out, waved, and got on the plane, and then just disappears. And yeah, so that was an homage to him. But yeah, Hunter talked about him a lot. Uh, apparently, he got disbarred after that case, but he was he was saying that part of the the reason why he was doing that case was he was trying to get his name out there. Like I was the one. You know, and he was just like that crazy fucker. Like I was trying to protect him and make sure he he didn't get disbarred or anything. But when I hear Hunter talk about him, he had nothing but love for him. So uh, that dude was a kindred spirit for him for sure. Like also crazy, also fighting the good fight. You know. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm interested to see that documentary. He's been portrayed in movies twice now because he was portrayed by. Uh, oh God, what's his name? Peter Boyle. Uh, Peter Boyle, yeah, that's not who I was trying to think of, though. But, yeah, in uh, Where the Buffalo Roam, he's played by Peter Boyle, which is, you know, a white guy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, can't seem to ever be portrayed (laughs) correctly. Uh, And then uh, he was also portrayed by, um, God, uh, Benicio Del Toro. Yeah. Who gained a lot of weight for that movie. And I guess, like... (laughs) The fucking the suits at Universal were like really upset because they they got this movie and all they knew all they really knew about it was like Johnny Depp was in it and Benicio del Toro who were both heartthrobs and they were like this is gonna make so much money <laughs> and then Johnny Depp like shaves his head so that it's bald you know and then uh, uh like uh Benicio del Toro gained like forty pounds for the role so that he could like have his shirt open and like just have this big belly and uh 
And then so like that was like strike one for him. And then strike two was that they went to test the movie. We were talking about test screenings earlier, but they went to test it and they said the death knell for it with Universal was they started asking, who do you think would like this movie? Because I guess everybody who saw the movie really liked it. And they were like, who would you recommend this movie to? And they were like, I don't know, hippies, smart people. And they were just like, oh, God, this isn't what we want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, Terry Gilliam call, it calls it the most expensive midnight movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's more than made its money back in video sales, but it bombed hard in the theater. Yeah. It's a great movie, though. It's one of my favorites. I've been meaning to rewatch it, but uh, not quite ready to watch it with teenagers yet. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think she would have any frame of reference for what's going on in the movie anyway. You know, like, I think you have to understand what the fuck is going on in Vietnam to, like, understand that movie. And I just don't know that they learn that much about it now. I mean, I'm sure some some teenagers do, but I feel like we were inundated with it way more because of people teaching us live through it. Yeah. The same way as like our generation is probably talking about, you know, the Iraq war at, with the same intensity that Vietnam was talked about when we were in school. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um. Anyways, the the this documentary is the rise and fall of the brown buffalo. Okay. Well, I'm gonna figure out how to get PBS and check it out because apparently my PB, local PBS station is demanding payments now <laughs> <laughs> to watch it. So I discovered that after I watched three episodes of the Vietnam War, suddenly it was like, "Hey, you got a kick of something?" And it was like, "No, I don't." Your PBS. Yeah, it's supposed to be free, man. What are you doing? <laughs> You're supposed to do a pledge drive over and over again that I ignore. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real bummer, too, because I was going through the music stuff and found out there's all this music that I lo- like all these live performances that I love that are uh, just PBS specific that I never even imagined would be on PBS. For example... Did you know Nine Inch Nails did a concert on PBS? No, I actually did watch like a week or two ago. I actually watched a Jimmy Buffett concert on PBS. See, that was something that I could be like, yeah, I'd imagine that would happen. Like he's of that age. Nine Inch Nails blew my head up, dude. It was just like, really? I think the Foo Fighters did one. Like there's all kinds of bands from when we're in high school. All big PBS listeners, apparently. So, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I want PBS. Why are you denying me? I might have to shell out something. You're going to have to, like, really get a real antenna one of these days. Yeah. That, so, here's the problem I have an antenna. I, I have two of them, and they don't work in here because of the overhang. I, I have to get an exterior antenna, is what has to happen if I'm going to make this work. Yeah. Because. We have five local PBS. I know, I know, dude. I had, uh, when we lived two blocks up from where I am now in the mansion, uh, the Victorian mansion, we got something like 21 channels off the air. I get 25 right now. Yeah. So, which is crazy to think like we get that many channels off the air 
Yeah, you don't want that many. I mean, you don't want all of them. There's one I never figured out what the fuck it was. There's TNN, which, you know, most people don't want. (laughs) And then there was like three PBSs, which I did want. But, you know. Yeah. And I think we got like an ABC, a CBS, an NBC, an ABC. God damn it. Yeah, (laughs) there's. Watch the Oscars, man. Right now, we get all five of the PBS channels. Actually, I think like they're rebroadcasting. So technically, we get 10 PBS channels, but they're the same, like, the five of different different channels. And then we get ABC, NBC, CBS, CW. Uh, and then there's a couple of weird channels. One's like Smile TV, which is like old, old TV reruns like Mr. Ed and that kind of shit. Whoa, like way old. <laughs> Yeah, like way like, like that shit was old when we were TV young. <laughs> and there's another one that's basically the same sort of thing. This one has green acres. It's only the early 70s, boys and girls. Yeah. Anyways, they're not good. I was trying to figure out how many shows from the 50s still has legs. And I figured it's only I Love Lucy. That's the only one that still gets play. I I can't think of anything else that was actually like other than shows that are still running, like some soap operas and uh. What about like Meet the Press? But uh, Dick Van Dyke or Dick Van Dyke? I never. I'm. Do you see it rerun ever? No, not me really. neither. Like I I. I haven't seen anything, but I love Lucy. I've seen some that are close, but not quite like the Twilight Zone. I think Twilight Zone is like early 60s, so it doesn't quite hit it. Well, that's syndicated on Netflix, so. Yeah. I I feel like Twilight Zone started in like 61. I think it ran like 61 to 65 or something like that. I feel like that's somewhere in the recesses of my memory. (laughs) Other than Star Trek. Star Trek was 60s, though, like yeah. and late 60s at that. Because I know like it was 67 to 69. Produced I think. by Desilu Studios. Because, mm. yeah. So Desi Arnaz was actually a producer on Star Trek. Craziness. <laughs> you know, that's something that doesn't get talked about nearly enough. Desi Arnaz, not a white dude, he was a lead in the 50s. That's actually really impressive for back in the day. Like, it was almost all white people. You know, and the, had an interracial marriage in real life and on the show. And they were able to portray it. Like, I know, look, I know how that sounds nowadays, but for the 50s, that's fucking incredible. Yeah. No wonder that show still has legs, you know? It's just goofy comedy, but, like, some of it is stuff that still works. Like, if, like, my daughter, um, a couple months ago, my wife was watching, I think it was a couple months ago, my wife was watching an I Love Lucy. And, uh... They had that one that you see all the time where she's like the she's at the candy factory and she's getting too much candy and she starts like stuffing it down her shirt and like in her mouth and all that. And like my daughter was watching that fucking rolling. So it's got (laughs) legs, dude. Like the some of the comedy still works on it. So way to go, Lucille Ball. (laughs) That's what I'm getting at. That'll be the name of the episode. Way to go, Lucille Ball. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is probably a good place to quit so yeah you can't get any better than that no so take it easy we'll see you respect the outro <laughs> <laughs>
Lucy, I'm home. Thank you for listening to the Not Safer Network. Check out one of our many other shows, Charles Orr Horror Show, Geek Lantern's Light, Movies with Wrestlers, Real Roulette, The Alien Movie Project, Montucky Skies, and We Had a Good Life.